Welcome back to the Football Outsiders Fantasy Podcast. I'm your host, Scott Spratt, a writer for FootballOutsiders.com. I'm recording this Friday morning leading into the week six games, and so today we're going to focus on my favorite DFS plays for the week. Before we get there, I want to share an exclusive offer from Football Outsiders. We're the innovators of modern football analytics and the proprietary metrics you know and love, DVOA and DYAR. They're used by teams, and they're also great tools for fantasy players. So get the most out of your fantasy teams and DFS lineups with an FO Plus package. You can become an outsider today with the promo code FANTASY25 and save 25% off site-wide. That's code FANTASY25 in all caps to save 25% off site-wide on all Football Outsiders tools and statistics. I waited till Friday morning to record this episode because I was trying to see what was going to happen with the Falcons game, and I haven't heard any news with that yet. And it looks like the Colts as well have had some positive COVID tests late in this week. So there's some games up in the air. Uh, The Falcons game, I would say in particular, had a lot of fantasy options this week. And I'm still going to touch on some Falcons and Vikings, but I'm not going to make it the the sort of focal point of the episode the way that I think the DFS values on their own might justify. So I'll just start at the top of the list going with quarterbacks first with my favorite DFS plays for this week. Those start with Ryan Fitzpatrick of the the Dolphins. I see him as an $800 surplus on DraftKings at $5,900, $650 surplus on FanDuel at $7,400. So this may be a little bit surprising, but Fitzpatrick is the eighth most valuable fantasy quarterback so far this season on a per-game basis. He's coming off a 350 passing yard, three passing touchdown game against the 49ers last week, which helps with that. But I think the bigger part of his fantasy value was the fact that he has 129 rushing yards, which puts him on a full season pace for 413. That's the same total that Deshaun Watson had last season, which landed him fourth at the position. A rushing yard is two and a half times or more valuable than a passing yard in typical fantasy format. So it's just so much more important to gain rushing yards as a quarterback than in his passing yards. I think that's really boosting Fitzpatrick's value and makes him a better play in fantasy going forward. Meanwhile, this week he's at home facing the Jets, which is a good matchup for fantasy quarterbacks. They're the number one booster of completion percentage by 11% over average. In passing yards per attempt, they're the fourth biggest increaser at 11% as well. So great matchup for him. Next up, we have Ryan Tannehill of the Titans, a $500 surplus in both DraftKings and FanDuel. Since week seven last season, when he took over as the starter for Tennessee, he's averaged 21.9 fantasy points per game. That's actually the third most at the position behind just Lamar Jackson and Dak Prescott. He's actually 0.2 points per game ahead of Patrick Mahomes over that time. So that gives you some sense of how incredible he's been in fantasy so far. Meanwhile, He's at home this week where he's averaged 9.2 more fantasy points per game than on the road over the last few seasons and facing a Houston Texans opponent that's a plus matchup for quarterbacks as well. They're the kind of closer to neutral 11% booster of passing touchdowns per attempt. That's just 13th in football, but they're the number one cutter of passing interceptions per attempt at 97%. So great matchup for Tannehill. I, I definitely think he should be in your lineups. Tom Brady of the Buccaneers, $200 surplus at $6,500 on DraftKings, $500 at $7,500 on FanDuel. Last week, he had just 253 yards and one touchdown, kind of a letdown coming off of his five-touchdown performance the week before. But I'll mention that last week, all of the matchup considerations were going against Brady. It was a short week playing on Thursday night. He was playing on the road. He was facing a Bears defense that was number five in pass defense DVOA. This week will probably be much easier at home facing the Packers, which are the number 29 DVOA defense overall and number 25 DVOA defense against the pass 
and as well as the run, frankly. Uh, he's also at home. He's averaged 1.9 more fantasy points per game at home than on the road since 2017. Obviously, a lot of that time was with the Patriots, but really, I would expect that the Bucks would give him a bigger home field advantage because, by and large, he will have lesser weather concerns, although I guess he has gotten a little bit of rain at points this season. But really, this is really more about the Packers. Uh, they're the number two booster of passer completion percentage, 10% boost per game. Uh, passing yards per attempt, they're the eighth biggest booster at 9%, and they're close to neutral in passing touchdowns per attempt. So I think it's a great matchup for him. As mentioned, we got some Falcons and Vikings to talk about, starting with Matt Ryan. Close to neutral $50 surplus on, on DraftKings, but more substantial surplus of $400 on FanDuel. Uh, he's actually gone 31 straight drives without a passing touchdown. That's been kind of the big stat. And I'm hoping that Julio Jones will be available this week, although he didn't practice on Wednesday, so that demands some monitoring. I'm cert- currently projecting that Jones will play, so he may fall off as a value if that doesn't happen. Uh, but he is in the Dome, uh, not at home. He's on the road in Minnesota, but... Ryan has had a negative home road split since 2017, so probably not somebody that needs to be at home. Plus, the Dome gives a bigger boost than being home and outdoors anyway. Uh, meanwhile, the Vikings are just a really good matchup for quarterbacks. 5% booster completion percentage, a 15% booster of passing yards per attempt, and a 26% booster of passing touchdowns per attempt. Great matchup there. And I would argue that Cousins has an even better matchup. He's particularly valuable on FanDuel at $7,100 price. He's a $400 surplus. I feel like Cousins, his kind of whole season as a as an expectation for fantasy got set up by that 113-yard day with three interceptions in Week 2 against the Colts. But I don't think we realized it then, but we now know that the Colts are the number one DVOA pass defense. So I think that that was kind of an unfair characterization of what Cousins' fantasy value was going to be this season. Beyond that, he's been fine. He hasn't really been prolific as a passer, but he could be this week if he plays that game against the Falcons. As mentioned, he's at home in the Dome. He's averaged 1.5 more fantasy points per game at home than on the road since 2017. And then the Falcons, obviously incredible matchup. They're the number six booster of pass plays outright. And then for quarterback efficiencies, the number nine booster of completion percentage, number five booster of passing yards per attempt, number three booster of passing touchdowns per attempt at 55%, so huge there, and then number six cutter of passing interceptions per attempt. So a lot of things kind of moving in his favor. I don't expect Cousins to pass dramatically more than usual, even though that Dalvin Cook is probably going to miss this game. Alexander Madison's probably a pretty good plug-and-play running back, and I think that that'll probably be fine for, for that sense of things. It's just such a, a pass-forward matchup that you expect Cousins to do well. But speaking of Madison, he leads off from the running back perspective of the biggest values. Assuming Dalvin Cook doesn't play, he's a $1,700 surplus in both DraftKings and FanDuel, number one value of the week. Um, I see him as really a full workload replacement for Dalvin Cook. It it may not be quite the same from a short yardage perspective. So he's averaged 1.7 yards after contact per attempt since 2019, whereas Cook has averaged 2.4. But I still see him getting the lion's share of the work and enough work near the red zone that he could justify getting some touchdowns. So I see him as a top five running back for the week during several bye week teams. Um, And the Falcons matchup, while it kind of skews toward the pass, running backs can definitely still take advantage in particular if they catch passes the the Falcons are a 13% booster of completion percentage for running backs an 8% booster of yards per target for running backs and a 154% booster of receiving touchdowns for running backs so in particular that last point shows that you know Madison has several ways to score in this game even if he's not necessarily getting all the work right at the goal line 
Next up, we have a couple of Jets. Frank Gore, I see him as a $1,600 surplus in DraftKings, $1,450 in FanDuel. And LaMichael Perrin, too, $750 surplus in DraftKings, $1,100 in FanDuel. I think those prices were set prior to the Jets' decision to release Le'Veon Bell. And the big news as of this morning that I checked is that it looks like the Chiefs were the team that ended up signing Bell. But I'll point out that Bell has a five-day mandatory quarantine changing teams, so he won't be eligible to play this week even though the Chiefs are playing on Monday night. Not a DFS concern either way. The point being that both Gore and Perrin were priced pretty close to the minimum at the position. And so they become really nice values this week as some combination of the running backs that are going to get all the work for the Jets this week. I think Gore is probably the more obvious play there. Uh, He kind of fits in well with this matchup where the Dolphins are the number 10 DVOA against the pass, but number 32 DVOA against the run. So if the Jets can keep in this game at all, they'll probably run heavily and rely more heavily on Gore. The Dolphins are a 16% booster uh, of yards per carry and an 83% booster of touchdowns per carry, that latter number being top five in football. So the matchup definitely suits him. But I'll mention that I think, I mean, I assume that part of the motivation for cutting Bell, besides just the fact that he's kind of been a malcontent for the team, is is a, a way to get Perrin more involved as a potential future building piece in a way that Gore, I mean, I mean maybe Gore is, maybe he'll play until he's 45, but you have to assume that Gore won't be a long-term asset for the team as it tries to rebuild. But Perrin has the chance to be that, so it makes sense to me that the Jets would get him more involved, hopefully starting this week. So even Perrin may not be the starter, but somebody that I think is worth consideration in particular in a tournament-type setting. If you want to go a little bit higher on the board, David Montgomery, one of my favorite values this week. No surprise, he's playing the Panthers. I see him as an $850 surplus in DraftKings at $5,800, $1,250 surplus at $5,900 in FanDuel. The main thing with him from just a general perspective is that he has a 19% target share the last two weeks since Tariq Cohen went out for the season. That's the sixth highest among running backs, just behind Alvin Kamara at 21.3%. So getting pretty much all of that work as a receiving back, I thought that Artavis Pierce might get involved in that respect, but he's actually been a healthy and active uh, since the Cohen injury. So it looks like it's all Montgomery right now. And the Panthers, I've kind of beaten this drum a lot, but they're an incredible matchup for opposing running backs. 19% booster of yards per carry, 117% booster of touchdowns per carry. That's actually second in the league at this point. Somehow the Raiders passed it, but it doesn't matter. You definitely want to play your running backs against the Panthers. And I think that Montgomery may actually be a little bit undervalued in general while people catch up to the fact that he's an every down back now. So love him this week. Antonio Gibson up's next, uh, $550 surplus in DraftKings, $1,100 in FanDuel, so particularly valuable in the latter platform. He's had a 47% carry share that's 21st among running backs this season, just between Devin Singletary and Miles Gaskin, and a 9.9% target share that's 26th among running backs between Kareem Hunt and Gio Bernard. So really involved heavily here. I mean, I think we had that kind of early season Peyton Barber touchdown performance that kind of made this seem like it was a bit of a timeshare, but it's really a lot of Antonio Gibson. And I'm assuming that Washington is only going to get better with the quarterback change. Didn't really manifest last week, but a little bit better of a matchup this week on the road against the Giants. The Giants aren't necessarily a great matchup for runners specifically. They slightly cut yards per carry and touchdowns per carry between five and 10%. 
But for running back receiving, they're a positive matchup. 23% booster of yards per target for the position. That's third. And a 96% booster of touchdowns per target to running backs. That's fifth best at the position. That probably meshes up well with Antonio Gibson's skill set, really. So I expect a pretty nice day for him in fantasy this week. And then next up, as mentioned, the comparison there, Miles Gaskin. Great matchup here um, at home against the Jets. Gaskin has been even more of a workload guy this season. 46.4% carry share is 22nd, but 14.9% target share is 4th. So incredible PPR value. But I think he's kind of meshed his way, or he's expanded his role to be a full workhorse back at this point, or a bell cow back at this point. Jordan Howard was named the healthy and active last week. And while Howard was previously getting all the goal line work, that looked like Gaskin's work last week in week five. He took three carries inside the 10-yard line, including one carry from the one-yard line, which he scored on. And he had 0.91 opportunity adjusted rushing touchdowns. That was the seventh most at the position. So I think Gaskin is kind of everything you would want from a fantasy running back now, and he gets to face against the Jets, who are a 7% booster of run plays in general, and also a top 10 booster of both yards per carry and touchdowns per carry. So really nice value there for him this week. Uh, I tried to wait a little bit, so I'm not obsessed with Mike Davis every week, but I've got to say that the prices still haven't caught up to Davis's fantasy value. $1,600 surplus in DraftKings at just $7,000, $1,050 surplus in FanDuel at $7,500. I mean, the main thing here, I guess, has been receiving value. Davis has a 25.5% target share since week three. That's the second highest among running backs. Davis's receiving work makes it so he's a little bit less susceptible to bad matchups. And while you might think he has one this week against the Bears, the Bears are a little bit more stout against the pass than the run. They're actually a 12% booster of run plays and close to neutral for yards per carry and touchdowns per carry. So this actually could be a pretty big Mike Davis day as a way to combat the fact that maybe Robbie Anderson and DJ Moore will have a little bit less value. So continue to ride with him until Christian McCaffrey gets back. I don't know what else to say about his fantasy value. Uh, Meanwhile, Kareem Hunt, $350 $350 surplus at $6,900 in DraftKings, $800 surplus at $7,000 in FanDuel. In week four, when Nick Chubb went down, it looked like Dernis Johnson might be a, a pretty heavy timeshare split with Hunt. But last week, uh, when they had a full week to prepare, Hunt was clearly the lead guy. He had a 60.6% carry share, which is 12th among running backs. And so I think that makes it really clear that Hunt is going to be a running back one for as long as Chubb is sidelined. And as such, I think he's a good value uh, in the fantasy platforms this week, even though he's facing off against a very difficult Steelers defense. The Steelers are the number one cutter of run plays and the third biggest cutter of rushing yards per attempt. So I think Hunt's going to have to rely a little bit more heavily on on receptions for his fantasy value, but the workload is so big that I think it's going to be fine. And you kind of saw Miles Sanders with a heavy workload last week was able to punch through from a fantasy perspective. So I expect something similar from Hunt this week that makes him a little bit of a value. And then finally at running backs, Ronald Jones, not a value in DraftKings. I see him as a $300 shortfall in value at $6,000, but only $5,800 in FanDuel makes him a $700 surplus. The last two weeks, he's had a 78.7% carry share and 16.3% target share. Those are both top 10 at the position. And obviously that's been motivated by Leonard Fournette's absence. But I think the fact is that he has a surprisingly good 26.3% rushing DVOA this season. That's third best at the position. Fournette may take this job long term, but I think it's really unlikely that he'll take it in his return to action after missing a few games with an injury. So with that, I think this is a good opportunity to use Jones in fantasy. He's at home against the Packers. Uh, They're the 
top 10 booster in yards per carry at, at 11%, and number three booster of rushing touchdowns per carry at 90%. So hopefully Jones will have a chance to punch one in and get a little bit of fantasy value from that. Okay, next up, we'll move over to wide receivers, where we'll start again with that Vikings-Falcons game and Adam Thielen. Thielen is an $1,100 surplus at $7,300 in DraftKings, $650 surplus at $7,400 in FanDuel. Thielen actually has the number one target share at the position so far this season, 33.1%. So I think there may be a little bit of an undervaluing of him relative to the players like, you know, your DeAndre Hopkins and Devontae Adams when healthy. Uh, at, as saying that he's actually in that class from a workload perspective. Meanwhile, obviously, an incredible matchup at home against the Falcons. They're a top six booster of pass plays and a top 10 booster of completion percentage and yards per target for wide receiver ones. So definitely a great time to take advantage of him. And frankly, it's a, it's a good chance to stack multiple Vikings. You can get Dustin Jefferson in there too if this game ends up happening. Uh, meanwhile, A.J. Brown made his return last week. I see him as a $1,350 surplus in DraftKings, $600 surplus in FanDuel. He had a 32.1% target share last week, 13th at the position, and kind of in that range that Thielen has been for this season. And while that's not necessarily something I expect to continue for the rest of the season, while some of the other main Titans players are dealing with COVID, he could be an extra featured target. Last week, Corey Davis and Adam Humphreys both were out with COVID. Humphreys was activated and returned to practice this week. But as of Thursday, Davis hadn't practiced and hadn't cleared COVID protocol. So if Davis ends up missing, I think he's kind of an important lever here. I, I think that, that Brown becomes a really valuable fantasy option. He's at home facing the, the Houston Texans. They're the, a top 10 booster of completion percentage at 11% booster for wide receiver ones. And they boost touchdowns per target by 38%. That's 14th best in football. So good matchup for him as well. Next up, Terry McLaurin, wide receiver for Washington. He's close to neutral in FanDuel, just a $50 surplus, but very valuable in DraftKings, 1050 surplus at just $5,700. You know, I think we had this idea that McLaurin was already really good as a rookie with that 21.9% target share, but he's boosted all the way up to 26.9% so far this season. That's the ninth highest at the position. It hasn't fully translated into the fantasy value yet, but... I think with the quarterback transition, I've kind of mentioned that a few times, I think it's probably going to only help his fantasy value. Meanwhile, he's facing the New York Giants this week. They don't have that elite shutdown corner that you might need to put um, to make it kind of difficult on a, on a receiver like McLaurin. So I think it's a good opportunity to take advantage where uh, wide receiver one see an 81% boost in, in touchdowns per target. So good opportunity to start McLaurin this week. Uh, next up, the two big performers from last week, Chase Claypool and Travis Fulgham. Starting with Claypool, I see him as more than $1,000 surplus in both DraftKings and FanDuel. My view of Claypool's value may make it seem like I'm buying a little bit too much into that four-touchdown performance last week, but I think it's actually a confluence of factors here that make him such a good fantasy value. One is that the Browns are just such a top-heavy defense. They have an exceptional number one cornerback in Denzel Ward, but I don't think Ward's a good fit to defend Claypool specifically. He's five inches shorter and 40 pounds lighter than, than the rookie receiver. So I expect he'll probably be doing more work against maybe Juju Smith-Schuster or Deontay Johnson if he plays, which probably gives uh, Claypool the better value, relatively speaking. And the Browns, so for number one wide receivers, they've been a top 10 reducer of completion percentage yards per target and touchdowns per target. But for number two receivers, they boost completion percentage by 10% and touchdowns per target by more than 100%. So I think it actually ends up being the case that Claypool just draws another favorable matchup this week for a team that may not have the depth 
on defense to deal with his fantasy value. Next up is Travis Fulgham. I mean, I think Fulgham pretty clearly established that he's the number one receiver for the Eagles last week with those 10 catches and 152 yards. Uh, so while he may have snuck up on the Steelers and they're normally good pass defense, that probably won't be the case for the Ravens this week. And they're a great defender of number one receivers with Marlon Humphrey at cornerback. They cut completion percentage by 10%, yards per target by 20%, and touchdowns per target by more than 50%. So definitely not a great matchup. So I think the relative value here just suggests that I think Fulgham is going to get a lot heavier target share as the number one option for the team than maybe the platforms have caught up to. It's not a great matchup, so maybe it's more of a tournament play to hopefully to, to kind of break through. But I'm very optimistic for Fulgham going forward. So maybe for more of your traditional leagues, he's somebody that you definitely want to add at this point. And then T.Y. Hilton, $500 surplus in DraftKings and $300 surplus in FanDuel this week. He had a 17.7% target share in weeks one through four. That's outside the top 30 at the position. I think we were seeing the Colts. There were kind of two factors here. One is they were going hyper-conservative on offense, running a lot, throwing shorter passes, because I think they were kind of playing to the strength of their exceptional defense. But two, you've had some exciting young receivers getting involved, especially with those shorter type passes, Michael Pittman and uh, Paris Campbell. But both of those players are hurt now. And so last week we saw... Um, Hilton get 10 targets, the most he's had so far this season. I think he's clearly reestablished as the number one option for the team with those other players being hurt. And as such, I think that makes the Bengals matchup that he's going to see this week, assuming the Colts can play this game, a good matchup for him. Uh, the Bengals in particular are a 114% booster of touchdowns per target to number one receivers, not having that elite shutdown corner there, but they tend to be a bad matchup for deeper targets in particular, just because other teams have such success with, with more conservative approaches and running the ball on them. So that's something the Colts will probably try to do, but I'm, I'm kind of playing that. I think Hilton's going to get the heavier volume as the number one target for the team to make him a good fantasy value. And then meanwhile, Tim Patrick, clearly in my mind, the number two receiver for the Broncos right now with some of their injuries, in particular to Cortland Sutton. He's had a 25% target share in week four, which is 18th highest among wide receivers. Um, and Noah Fan, I think, is also going to miss this game as well. So that kind of narrows the focus of where hopefully Drew Locke will throw the ball this week. Stephon Gilmore is back at practice, but that's probably bad news for Jerry Judy, not for Tim Patrick particularly. And the Patriots, they've actually been a little bit of a plus matchup for wide receiver twos, boosting completion percentage by 3% and touchdowns per target by 66%, whereas you're, you're pretty scared if you're the number one wide receiver facing off in that matchup. Okay, let's wrap this up with a few tight ends, starting with Mike Kosicki. I focused on a lot of Dolphins so far this week. He's actually a negative $500 surplus in DraftKings, but a $200 surplus in FanDuel, so good use of him there. 16.7% target share is 11th at the position this week. I think that kind of matches matches up with the public perception. So this is really more of a matchup play at home against the Jets. The Jets have boosted tight end receiving touch or yards per target by 12% and touchdowns per target by 77% this season. So a, a nice plus matchup for tight ends. Kasicki can hopefully take advantage. Uh, TJ Hawkinson, I like his matchup even better. Facing also against the Jaguars, they allowed four touchdowns in the last four weeks to what I would consider to be a non-scary slate of opponents in Jonu Smith, Mike Gesicki, and Darren Fells. So I think Hawkinson can clearly follow suit. He's probably the highest from a true talent perspective of that list. Well, maybe behind Jonu Smith, but otherwise. He's had a 15.2% target share that's 13th best at the position this season. 
And I, I'm not sure his perception is quite there. This is sort of a breakout in a year two. I mean, I know he, he was a highly drafted player, but he's been more valuable so far this season than he was for most of last year. So I think he's only on the rise in a great play this week. Uh, going deeper, Trey Burton of the Colts, $900 surplus in DraftKings, particular value there. The last two weeks, he's had an 18.3% target percentage. Uh, that's since he returned from injured reserve, whereas Mo Alley-Cox and Jack Doyle have both 5%. So it looks like Burton is getting a little bit more involved and maybe the number one tight end for the team. Obviously, Phillip Rivers has always loved to rely heavily on the tight ends. This isn't a great matchup, so this is really just more a consideration of maybe Burton is a little bit heavier from a workload perspective than many people are considering. And that's definitely true of Austin Hooper, too. $650 surplus for DraftKings, 200 for FanDuel. His target share increased from 12.8% the first three weeks, just 21st at the position, to 26.6% the last two weeks, second highest at the position. I think his true workload is likely somewhere in the middle, but early in the season, I mean, it looked like he was a clear candidate to be, to be dropped even in full season leagues. So suddenly I think he's a usable tight end again. This is not a good matchup. I'll highlight that playing against the Steelers. They're the number one cutter of completion percentage for, for tight ends and uh, the number four cutter of receiving yards per target by close to 30%. So it's not a good matchup, but I think Cooper's workload makes it such that you can probably run with him anyway. He's priced down for the matchup and that makes him a viable option for you. Okay, that's going to do it for this week's episodes of the Football Outsiders Fantasy Podcast. Thanks so much for listening, and I encourage you to please subscribe, rate, and review us on your favorite podcast platforms. Meanwhile, come back next Tuesday when I'll hit you with all of our favorite um, waiver wire options for Week 7. Thanks, and I'll talk to you then.